have your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Now we've been uh, taking our time and studying through um, John. I'm going to start us off here in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 5. We talked about last week is uh, Jesus Christ, our, our Passover lamb, uh, being examined. And uh, this week, uh, Jesus Christ, His sacrifice uh, for us. And then, uh, of course, next week we get to celebrate with Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible says in verse 7, Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ, our Passover Lamb, is sacrificed for us. He says, Christ, our Passover Lamb, our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, because of that, let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. We looked at truth last week. Jesus Christ is truth. But he says here to purge out the old leaven. And in, in the scripture, in the Bible, leaven being a picture of sin. And he is talking about this cleansing that can come. Uh, he talks about a new lump, this cleansing that comes uh, by and through uh, salvation the salvation through Jesus Christ. And it's also a cleansing that happens by our just our continued confession of sin, our continued walk with Christ. And today as we partake of the Lord's Supper, uh, Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, makes it pretty clear that this was a big part of the Lord's Supper. In chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians he kind of addresses some disorders that are going on with the Lord's Supper. And he mentions in there that one of the, or one of the um, uh, great parts of the Lord's Supper, um, along with the memorial of it and remembering Christ, but he says in there that we are to examine ourselves, right? That we are to take time to do self-examination and to judge ourselves. That's what he says in that passage that we can be clean, that we can confess this sin, uh, getting the leaven out of our life, in other words, in honor of Jesus Christ who made it possible for our sins to be forgiven. He is the bread of life. His blood shed on Calvary made atonement for us. He is our Passover lamb. He says this in this in this verse in 1 Corinthians. He says, Christ our Passover lamb. Uh, I would ask this morning, is Jesus Christ your sacrifice? Is he the way of your atonement? The nation of Israel, as we've studied, as we study this passage, as we've been studying through John as a whole, they rejected Jesus Christ as their Messiah. They certainly rejected Him as their Passover lamb. 
But you, here this morning, I, is Jesus Christ our hope? Is He our salvation? Is He, if, if we were to say, uh, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Would you spend an eternity in heaven? Would your testimony be yes because of Jesus Christ? Because He is my sacrifice for sin and I've received His sacrifice Amen. for sin. Let's, we're going to be turning to some scriptures this morning, so have your Bibles ready. In Exodus chapter 20, I want to kind of look at this Passover and where it was. Uh, I said Exodus 20, I meant Exodus 12. In Exodus 12, you, you, you know the context here in this passage is, is God's called Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, and this contest begins to happen between Moses and Pharaoh and and he's just not letting God's people go. And the final, the final straw was this death angel that passed through. And in that and by that, God set up the Passover. In Exodus chapter 12 and, and verse 3, the Bible says to Moses, uh, the Lord said to Moses, Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, shall they take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. I, I love this time of the year, getting close to the resurrection time. And, and, and although in the New Testament, we as believers, we don't um, keep all the Old Testament feast days, the feast days of Israel. I'll tell you though, God still works on those uh, his calendar still works with those feast days that he had given to the nation of Israel. And this time of the year, uh, Passover time tomorrow, uh, starts Passover. Um, and this time of the year is just awesome to think that God established this 1,500 years before he came to prove that he was the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. He started this 1,500 years before to point to Himself. It says in verse, in verse 5, He says, Your lamb shall be without what blemish, a male of the first year, and you shall take it out of the sheep or out of the goats. In verse uh, 7, And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and upon the upper posts of the house wherein ye shall eat, and they shall eat the flesh that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Look at verse 11. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, and your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. He says, verse 12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. Of course, Egypt being a picture of the world. And will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both men and beasts, and against all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, he said, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day, Passover, shall be unto you for a what? Memorial. And you shall keep it as a feast in the Lord throughout your generations. I think of the hymn writer John Food who wrote, Christ our Redeemer died on the cross, 
Died for the sinner, paid all his due. Sprinkled your soul with the blood of the Lamb. And I will pass, will pass over you. Amen. The Passover uh, established 1,500 years before Jesus Christ's blood was there to point to Jesus Christ. Of course, we know as we studied last week, Jesus being examined by the high priest, by Pilate, and Pilate finally saying what? I find no fault in Him. He was that lamb without blemish. John 13 and verse 1, Jesus uh, says that the Passover was just about to come. And He knew that that was when He was to be taken and offered up. Why? Because, again, as we talked about last week, nothing, nothing happens in God's calendar by coincidence. All these things that are happening around this time are all written in the Scripture, prophesied about in the Old Testament. Everything had a purpose and everything had a plan um, during this time. Look at John chapter 19. This will bring us to where we are at in our study in John chapter 19. In verse 14, the Bible says this. John 19, 14. And it was the preparation of the Passover. And about the sixth hour, He saith unto the Jews, Behold your King. But they cried out, Away with Him! Away with Him! Crucify Him! Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Well, that was a bad, that was a bad answer to say that, wasn't it? We realized that that was a huge mistake. But you know what, you know what is interesting? That if you turn back in your Bible to John chapter 12, from John chapter 12 to this point here in Scripture, John 19, this covers about five days. And in John chapter 12 and verse 12, Jesus rides into Jerusalem. And what happens? They throw down the palm leaves and they cry, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed be the King of Israel! Isn't it interesting how quickly public opinion changes from Hosanna, Hosanna, uh, you know, blessed be the King of Israel to crucify Him, crucify Him. We have no king but Caesar. Turn and die. But this is all happening. Why? Because He said it would. Because it had to. As He prayed in the garden. If it be possible, let this pass from me. Listen, it was not possible. Why? For the sin debt of the world to be paid, the Lamb of God had to shed His blood on Calvary. John chapter 16, the Bible says, And then delivered He Him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led Him away. And He bearing His cross went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew, Galgotha where they crucified Him. And two others with Him, on either side one, and Jesus in the midst. Look at verse 28. Verse 28, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now what? Accomplished. 
you know, the gospel message which we talk about a lot here, Paul says, I declare unto you the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, how that Jesus died what? According to Scripture. He was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scripture. We talked about last week, you cannot separate Jesus Christ and truth. He is truth. He is the Word become flesh. Jesus Christ. And He died according to the Old Testament prophecies, according to the Scripture. It is absolutely amazing how many prophecies, just during this short time of His crucifixion, how many prophecies were accomplished. I wrote a few of them down, but there was many, many more. Of course, we know that He bruised the head of the serpent. Prophesied in Genesis. And Daniel prophesied that the Messiah would come and be cut off that Judas uh, would um, betray him. David prophesied about. Zacharias prophesied that he would be forsaken by his disciples, that he would be sold for 30 pieces of silver, and that they would pierce him with, with a sword. Isaiah prophesied about that he would be scourged, mocked, and mutilated. That he would be condemned with the criminals, and there he would have the criminals hang there with the criminals. David prophesied that he would have his hands both his hands and his feet pierced through and that they would part his garments before him on the cross. That he would drink vinegar. That many, even his family, would be there to watch this. They prophesied, uh, David also prophesied that none of his bones would be broken. That he would be buried in a borrowed tomb, a rich man's tomb. And Isaiah, of course, prophesied that he was the lamb. The one to take our... See, this day here on Calvary, this was the day that our sin was paid for. This was the day that our sin and the sins of the world were paid for. Continue reading with me here. He says in verse 28, After this, Jesus, knowing all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. I, I, I find that interesting. I don't even think He was thirsty. He just did it because why? He said He would. Because it was in the Scripture that He said, Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it uh, upon hyssop and put it to His mouth. And when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, He said, what? It is finished. That also was prophesied about. And He bowed His head and gave up the ghost. Jesus Christ said, It is finished. What was finished? The reason why He came. As we've been studying through the Gospel of John, the first several chapters, He would say things like this, My hour has not yet come. Wouldn't He? When they would try to come and get Him, try and come and take Him, He'd say, My hour has not yet come. But then we get to John chapter 12 and and on, and He says a couple times, The hour has come. The time has come. What? To finish what I've started. You say, when you preach about the cross of Calvary, something that happened 2,000 years ago, how does that affect my everyday? Oh. It affects our everyday because it affects our eternity. It affects our everyday because it is by the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, it is by the blood of Jesus Christ that we have access to God. Amen. That's, it's that simple. It is by that that we can be justified, just as if I never sinned, right? Cleansed, made clean, atonement. It affects our every day. Without it, 
Our prayers are in vain. The cross of Calvary is so many things hinged upon. Not only did we go from the Old Testament to the New Testament, Jesus Christ coming and not doing away with the Old Testament, but fulfilling it. In other words, there was a contract, there was a laws, there was an eternal payment that needed to be made that no one could make except for Jesus Christ. And so, does, does the New Testament uh, uh, do away with the Old Testament? No, the New Testament fulfills the Old Testament, bringing about now a new and better covenant, the Bible says in Hebrews. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. You know what I find so ironic? If we had time, we could, we, this is just amazing, that Jesus Christ died at the very moment in history on the preparation of the Passover that He had chosen in history past. And everyone else, including Pilate and the Pharisees, everyone else was just, they were just doing what they were, their role in the whole thing of Jesus Christ becoming the sacrifice for the sin of the world. They had no power over Him. He, he willingly offered Himself up. They, as we read this scripture here, we find out that they were, these, these, the religious crowd, they hurried Jesus off of the cross because it was the preparation of the Passover and it wouldn't be right to leave this corpse on the cross for Passover. And as they hurry to take him off so that they can cleanse themselves and go down to their little homes and, 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 and shed the blood of their own little Passover lamb and put it on the doorposts and the little, the, the eternal lamb of God hung on, uh, above Jerusalem on Calvary and had just made, listen to this, had just made their religion null and void by bringing about a new and better covenant no longer. They were so worked up as we read that, that Jesus said destroy this temple, talking about his body and they assumed the temple. Destroy this temple and in three days I'll rise it up again. They were so worried about their laws the Sabbath day, right? The Sabbath and their temple and the laws and all these things that they were willing to crucify them. But here's the ironic part. By crucifying them they destroyed all their... There was no need for the temple anymore. Now there's a better temple. Right? There was no need for the laws. We have salvation by grace through faith now. They, by crucifying Him, <laughs> erased their own religion in a sense. It's just amazing. Jesus Christ, our Passover Lamb, He had the, the necessity of Jesus Christ to die for our sins. Look with me in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. As you turn there, I want to give you a scripture from Galatians chapter 3 where the Bible says, Christ hath redeemed, I like that word, redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Jesus Christ became a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we right might receive the promise of, of the Spirit through what? Faith. Through faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, he says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new 
creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is what we're talking about. Salvation is not uh, becoming religious. Salvation is becoming a new creature, a new creation. It's a whole new lump. That We read the verse at, at the beginning. He said, all things are of God who hath reconciled. I like that word also. All these things, reconciled, redeemed, atonement, justification, all these things came because of Jesus Christ, our Passover. He's reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ. How can we be made right with God? How can we be reconciled to God? By Jesus Christ. Who hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. Listen, this you say, am I a minister? If you've been reconciled, you've been given a ministry of reconciliation. What's that? Telling other people how they can be forgiven. Telling other people the good news of Jesus Christ. To wit, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are, I like this, ambassadors for Christ. If we've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, if we've been reconciled to God, then we are not of this world anymore, right? This earth is not our home, but we are ambassadors here for Christ. As through God did beseech you by us, we pray in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For He hath made Him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us. Who knew no sin? Jesus Christ was sinless. He was in all points tempted, yet without sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Because of Christ's sacrifice, because He took our sin payment on the cross, we can be made righteous. We can be made right with God through Jesus Christ. Not only did the Old Testament and then now the New Testament hinge upon the death of Jesus Christ, the death of the testator that brought about the New Testament, but the eternal life of every man and woman and child. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. The Bible says this, But God commended His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's good news, isn't it? He loved us first. Even when we were in our sin, He showed His love. How? By sending Jesus Christ as our sacrifice. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we should be saved by His life. Not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we now receive the atonement. The whole idea of Jesus Christ as our Passover Lamb has to do with our atonement. How are we made right with God? How are our sins forgiven? It is by and through Jesus Christ. As we look in the Old Testament, take your Bibles, we're going to come back to Romans, but in Leviticus, 
of chapter 1, we look at this idea of atonement. In Leviticus chapter 1, we hear all through the scripture, all through the scripture right from the very beginning. Blood has been what God has used to pay for sin. He set up a whole system in the Old Testament with the Levitical priests and the blood sacrifices and all these sort of things to what make atonement. Each one of these Old Testament blood sacrifices, though, was a temporary payment for sin. It's almost like a, the credit card system saying, I promise to pay. I promise to pay. One day, there will be a lamb that is eternal, that can make the payment for sin. In Leviticus chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without what? Blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. He shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering. shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. It's interesting to think that we are accepted in the beloved. We are accepted in Christ. Why? Because of any good thing that we did? Because of the good works that we've done? Because of who we are? Because of the family we were born into or the church that we were a part of or any of the good? No. We are accepted in Christ because of the atonement Jesus Christ made for us in Calvary. And because of that, we can be made spotless without blemish, clean, justified. In Ephesians 5 and verse 26, talking about those who have accepted Christ, those that are in, in the body of Christ called the church, he says that you might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that you might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. To think that that is how the Lord thinks of us, that that's how the Lord thinks of us, how? Because of our sacrifice. Turn back with me to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. As we partake here in just a moment together of the Lord's Supper, we begin to see what it represents. It represents our atonement. It represents His body being broken and His blood being shed for us. It represents a way that we can be made clean, made right with God. Romans chapter 3 and verse 22, the Bible says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that what? Believe. For there is no difference. He's saying, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, we can have the righteousness of God imputed to our account. Why? How? By faith. Through believing in Jesus Christ, our sacrifice. He says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It usually doesn't take much to convince us of that, that we are all 
sinners being justified freely by His grace. Salvation is free. It's the grace of God to us and we can be justified through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. This passage right here in Romans 3 is, is rich. I love this. And all these, all these words that you begin to think of, justified, redeemed, atonement, uh, righteousness, to think that all those have to do with us, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done and because of our faith in Him, that this is how God sees us, that's good news. He says, verse 25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of the sins that are past (laughs) through the forbearance of God. Those sins that are past, that's the sins of the Old Testament. When Jesus Christ died on the cross there uh, on Calvary, Finally, all of those promised to pay later, it was paid in full on Calvary. The account said paid in full. No balance left. He paid for all the sins that were past and the sins of the future, verse 26. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness that He might be, uh, be just and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. <laughs> Where is boasting then? It is excluded. That's what Paul says. Where is boasting? Where, where is there any room for pride in the church? Where is there any room for our, uh, you know, self elevation in the church? All of us are here, and all of us are in Christ, not because of anything we've done, but by believing in faith in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says. Where is boasting then is excluded? By what? The law of works? Nay, no. But by the law of faith. Verse 28. He comes to a conclusion. Paul says, Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Listen, notice I'm talking this morning about not about our righteousness, not about what we have done, but what Jesus Christ has done for us. He has made our salvation possible. He has made it possible for us to have atonement. As we observe this New Testament ordinance, the Lord's Supper, I think that it's important that we take time to recognize what it was for, what it was set up for It was first set up to be a memorial that we remember our sacrifice, that we remember the good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins, the sacrifice that He went through with His body being broken and His blood being shed. But it's also a time of self-examination. See, the Lord's Supper is for those that have received Jesus Christ. You say, is the Lord's Supper for those that are a member of a church? Uh, No, not a member of a local church, but a member of Christ's body. That's, That's what the Lord's Supper is for. It's for those that have claimed, I have received Jesus Christ as my atonement. I have accepted His sacrifice for my sins. 
And so as we begin to take this Lord's Supper, we're going to have a time of prayer, a time of self-evaluation. And, and the first question that you have to ask yourself is, am I saved? Not have I believed in God in the past, not have I been in church before, not have I been religious, not is my family religious, but am I saved? Am I born again? Have I received this free gift of salvation by faith? Jesus, Am I trusting in Jesus Christ as my sacrifice, my atonement for sin? And if you have, well, the good news is today's the day. Amen. That as we bow our heads in prayer, you can simply ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, to save you. Accept Him as your sacrifice, as your Lord and Savior. And today, by your faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. With the heart, not intellectually, but with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And so today, you can know for sure. And then, take of the Lord's Supper, knowing that His blood was shed for you, body broken. And for believers, this is a time for us to not just be thankful and remember and rejoice in what Christ has done for us, but take time to purge out the old leaven, revealed sin in our life. Take time to be clean and ask for forgiveness. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we'll confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's just going to take a time of prayer, just a few moments for us to have a heart that's ready to receive this Lord's Supper, a heart that's open and truly looking for Jesus Christ, looking to Him. This, all of this at this point is all about the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done for us. So let's take a moment to pray, and then together we'll celebrate uh, communion. Heavenly Father, God, as we come together in Your name, Lord, as we remember what You have done for us, Your sacrifice that You made for us on Calvary, God, as we read the Scripture of the suffering that You went through, we believe it. Uh, by faith, God, we believe that You are our atonement, our sacrifice for sin, and by it and through it, through the Gospel, Lord, that we can be saved, reconciled to God, that we can receive Your imputed righteousness, Lord. We are thankful. Lord, I pray that You cleanse our hearts this morning. God, as we focus on You, as we focus on Your sacrifice and Your time on the cross, 
for us. God, I pray that you're glorified in our fellowship together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I pray that you bless this communion and each person that takes it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.